Hey everyone, welcome to another week of our It Takes a Village series, where as a church family, believing that it takes a village to raise a family, uh, we're hearing from some voices from our church's surrounding village. And uh, when I say surrounding, I mean that in the larger way today because uh, we are live here at Willow Creek Community Church in Chicago. We're actually uh, here in the studio for the GLS podcast that I'm a part of. You want to check that out, go to glspodcast.com. Uh, but today we get to sit down with one of Willow's worship pastors, a guy by the name of Aaron Nequist. So Aaron, thanks so much yeah. uh, for joining us here and participating in this conversation. So glad to be here. I'm, uh, I'm really appreciative for the voice that your church and you particularly have been to us lately and uh, excited to get into a really cool conversation today. Before we do that though, just kind of introduce yourself, give, give yourself a, a bit of background uh, for our people back in uh, yeah. St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada. All right, <laughs> well, I mean, it's so good to be with you all. Um, this is a really a real honor and love this conversation. Yeah, I um, grew up in this area, in the Chicago land area. Uh, grew up in a real kind of conservative small church. Um, that my dad and my uncle were the worship leaders. So every Sunday I got to watch them leading and praying and guiding and playing. And every once in a while they'd let me sit into the band, even, even though I wasn't very good, but I got to play along. And, um, and then uh, some, sometime in college, just realized, I think this is what I'm made to do. Mm. This is when I didn't, it's like I didn't choose it, but I think it's, it's who I am. And so right out of college, uh, got a job here at Willow as the high school worship uh, leader and did that for five years, and then moved to Grand Rapids and was worship leader at a church called Mars Hill in Grand Rapids, about seven years. And then in 2009, came back here to Willow as one of the weekend worship leaders, and then a few years ago, transitioned to this practice community. So very, very the, good. The overview. But anyways, great to, meet, great to meet you all. So you've been in this church work world yeah. uh, for a while, and... Uh, because of that, we're gonna have a conversation for those of us who maybe aren't into all the technical speak. We're gonna talk about why go, why go to church? And uh, we're clear at Southridge that church isn't just a place you go. Uh, we say a lot that it's a, a difference that we get to make together in the part of the world where God's placed us. And yet we gather regularly. And there's something important about these gatherings. And it's this journey that you've been on in processing why we would even gather that we want to talk about today. So first thing I want is to get a bit of a background of uh, what I understand was the first shift yeah. in your head and, and heart um, from maybe a more traditional kind of gathering to a more maybe contemporary or relevant, or you can describe it yourself, but talk about the yeah. first shift in how you understood why people gather. Yeah, absolutely. Well, at, you know, it was that it was that same kind of thing. As I was growing older, um, my faith was opening up and believing all these things about God, but also growing as a musician and just a, a person on the planet. And we we started to say, how can we take the language that moves us in actual life and connect it with the story of God? And so um, it was a very exciting season at that time. Um, I remember uh, Coldplay's album, Rush of Blood to the Head, was, was the big thing. And it just captured my, my imagination for what like four chords in the truth could do. You know? <laughs> it was so simple. I had, I, in college, I was a music theory and composition major. Okay. So I graduated. I wanted to write all these polyrhythms and key changes and all that. And it just didn't work 
for a gathered community. And I remember we'd do, I'd look around and I'd be like, it's interesting here, but it doesn't do anything here. And it was actually, it was, it was that album by Coldplay that I realized this simple, soulful music does something kind of beneath the waterline, um, both as a human, but also as a Christ follower. And so it was a very I exciting remember, season. You know, I've been in, in ministry for almost 20 years, and in that early era, uh, Willow in particular, among others, but I would say Willow in particular, was very influential in helping us view these gatherings as uh, accessible to everyone as well, right? There's what we would call the seeker movement, where you started to view the purpose or the opportunity as not just to kind of reinforce ideas of the the faithful, the the regular attender, but to also provide an opportunity to reach out and make God and the message of Christ accessible to others. And so when you talk about taking the language of every day uh, and bringing it into our gatherings, that that was a part of it for us too, was just making this gathering relevant for normal everyday people to experience and encounter Christ. Yep. now, in the heyday of that experience, and you were part of two, you know, very booming movements of God in, in Mars Hill and, and in, in Willow, there came a point where, with regards to these gatherings, you started to feel some discontent. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I actually had um, about three or four years into my first job, I had my own, like, crisis of faith, and it... It, it, it's almost like I, there was this one Sunday where I was getting ready to lead all these songs and I realized I didn't believe any of them. And I was having this whole thing happening. It was very scary. Um, it's quite awkward having a job as a professional Christian. You don't know if you believe it. <laughs> you know, so uh, that was right before I went to Mars Hill. And so all this new life was happening in the kingdom of God. We get to join what God's doing in the world. All this was happening. But I realized as a worship leader, I only had one tool in my toolbox. And it was four rock songs and a hymn. Yeah. It's the only tool I had. And to be honest, I think it's a good tool. Stand and sing some songs to God. Yes. Aren't you glad to be here? Stand up. Let's sing and praise. All right, sit down. And again, I'm not, that is such an important part of worship, but I realized it couldn't contain the width and the beauty of this kingdom vision. And my, what I'm inviting people into is this narrow part of it. And so at Mars, we started to say, well, how can we expand, not exchange, expand um, the worship experience. And so for us, the language was, how do we move beyond what five songs are we going to sing today to what worship journey with each other and with God are we going to go on today? And I remember I was telling my, my partner at the time, uh, Troy, I said, like, we're like inventing this whole new way of worship. And he's like, yeah, I think it's called the liturgy. <laughs> and churches have been doing it for thousands yeah. of years. But that was my invitation. Like, There is so much more than just the five songs. I have a lot to learn. It's interesting when you talk about reflecting on what it is that we're inviting people into. Yeah. Because I think that's where we've been tracking in the last number of years uh, internally is asking, you know, with our gatherings, what are we inviting people into from, from a couple perspectives? 
first of all, from the perspective of the gathering itself, because we started, you know, we were, we were on this trajectory, making our services contemporary and, you know, these, you know, high energy, creativity laden events uh, and starting to hear from people, I feel like our Sunday mornings are a show. I feel like they're a show. And we were realizing like what we're inviting people into on Sundays is just to attend and watch a show or wow. just to stand and sing some songs and watch a band perform them for them. The bigger haunting question was what this experience is saying about what we're inviting them into in a life of faith, right? How the medium itself is a message and you know, I know that I, in my own life, I had a number of uh, friends on our street that came and started to check our church out, came to faith, baptized them. But, you know, as life kind of intersected with them, it felt like they didn't, they didn't have the connectivity with God in those moments outside of the event that they experienced in the event to sustain living a God life or making God choices. And so both from the life it was producing and the event itself, we started to ask, what are we actually inviting people into here? And we started to, to, to think differently about these sort of things. And so- Can I just say something? Yeah. That resonates with me so deeply. Hmm. Like that is so inspiring. I can't like, I'm so- That thin. even in Canada, said, this is, this is no, happening. No, no, that is, that is exactly- Right. Yes. So, and amen. So, yeah, no, yeah, this is where you've been such a helpful voice for us because I know as you've been processing this and with our uh, leadership team member, Jeff Martins, who oversees our uh, weekend services, we call our inspiration ministry. You know, you guys have connected a number of times and he's heard about this second shift, right? From traditional to contemporary and now from contemporary, whether it's you call it liturgy or just to a more experiential practice-based kind of gathering. Can, can, you, can you talk a little bit more about the, the here to there yeah. of this second shift? Yep, totally. Well, I remember I had a similar moment that it sounds like that you had where I was leading worship on the weekends at Willow. And I just love our team and the community and it was all really beautiful. But I remember driving home thinking, the things we're doing only work in a hundred million dollar auditorium. Mm. And I thought, okay, that's okay, because they're really beautiful, they're God honoring. But then I thought, is it possible that one of the things we're accidentally teaching is you can't do it without us? Yeah, yeah. So come back next week. And um, that haunted me. So that, like that attending is yes. the only filling station yes. for the life and presence of God in your life. If you need, if you want to connect with God, yeah. you can't do it without a hundred million dollar auditorium. Yeah. And I remember no or one, whatever that is in Canadian well, yeah, dollars, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, and it doesn't Three have billion. to be, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, it, no one believes that. No one on, none of us believed that. But I thought, what if we're accidentally communicating that? Yeah. So, so I was trying to explain to my wife why this was all happening and why we were doing other singing things, why I was trying to learn from the other liturgies and the other traditions. And she's listening and finally she says, huh. She says, it sounds to me like basically you just want to serve a well-balanced meal every Sunday. Mm. 
And I was like, leave it to my wife. Yeah, that was great I language. rambled for 45 minutes. <laughs> she said it in one perfect yeah, sentence. Yeah. A well-balanced meal. I had realized I was serving one meal every Sunday. And it was a good, I think it's a really healthy, good yeah. meal. It's like chicken and some rice yeah. and, you know. The sing and teach. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But it's only one. Yeah. And so to try to expand to include more experiences. So, um, so yeah, I think my, some of my movement personally has been this thing we're doing is beautiful and helpful, but too narrow. Mm. What happens when my heart is broken? Just frankly, I had a really intense kind of personal week um, this, this yeah, last this week. Last week. If I showed up to a church service this Sunday where they said, your job is to stand and sing five happy songs, mm -hmm. not only would it not be helpful, it would be hurtful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's just not the whole of life. Now, it's part of life, yeah. and we better sing happy yeah. songs because hope is real, yeah. resurrection is possible, yeah. but it's, it's only one part of the meal, and so we're trying to create more space. I have a friend who says, never be the kind of church that when you have to have a funeral, you have no songs to sing. Mm. And so what does it look like to be a community that learns how to mourn mm. together? Because mourning is a part of life, yeah. you know? What does it mean to be a kind of community that we're not just singing about ourselves and our experience with God, but we're praying for the world and the things that are going on and we're holding up the things to celebrate, but we're also weeping over the shooting that happened in, yeah. in, in America this last week. And um, does that make sense? Yeah, the, that, that you're trying to this, human this expanded meal, you're trying to expose people to all kinds of different, you call them practices, yeah. but ways of actually following Jesus real time that then they can apply when they absolutely when they get home yep right yep so instead of only learning how to follow Jesus through th singing happy songs yes. and listening to someone else yes talk about him um, the more experiential and the more engaged in these different practices I can be yes the more I'm actually learning ways to follow Jesus on my own that I can then practice in the everyday realities not just the happy time absolutely yeah we say at the practice um, Every, at the end of every gathering, like we, every single time we get done with communion, we sing a song, we sing the doxology, then one of us will get up and say, now remember friends, Sunday is not the main event. Yeah, yeah. Your actual life, yeah. Monday through Saturday is the yeah. main event. Yeah. Now we hope that everything we do um, helps you, uh, gives you the tools to live the main event of your life. But that's the main event. So, yeah. You tapped into something that I want to shift gears and talk about, and that, that's more from the individual participant, those of us who yeah. show up to yep. a, a gathering. Yep. From your understanding of the scriptures and even you know, Acts chapter 2, that's yep. kind of that quintessential passage of the, the first century church, um, why ought people, and particularly believers, like why should people, and especially faith-based people, gather number one very simply but i believe it to my core we cannot live the christian life alone we cannot not we shouldn't we can't so it's just to be together with we other people and to we have to look each other in the eye yeah. um i think another thing is a little more um 
uh, spiritual and mysterious, but there is something about the body of Christ that we are a part of. You know, when Paul talks about, you know, you're the hand and you're the ankle and yeah. you're the, you know, like, um, we need each other. I'm not the whole story. Yeah. I don't represent, I'm an image bearer of God, but I don't bear all of God, just a part. Yeah. And I need you, and I need you, and I need you. Um, so that's another huge one. Yeah, and the way that God works then through all of us differently than the way he would work totally. through me in the privacy yes. of my personal yes. relationship with God. Yes, yeah. it's so, when I, uh, I actually just came from a breakfast with two friends. We meet every, uh, usually Thursday morning, but, and um, we're really different. And when we share about our lives, it's almost like we put it in the center of the table and then the other two lovingly are able to, to reflect from their, who they're made to be. And uh, very moving. I had a, a, a mentor that we were talking about this exact thing. What are we doing when we come together? And he said in terms of uh, being parents with little kids, like I know you, you have kids and, and we have two little kids. And, and he said, you know, when, when a little kid is about one, they enter that very painful um, pre-verbal stage where they know exactly what they want, but they can't, can't say it. it yeah. So it's grunts and it's yelling yeah. and, you know, okay, very frustrating for everyone. And this mentor of mine said, so as kind of uh, good parents, we give them the language to express what's going on inside them. And it's such a gift. So we help them say, I'm hungry or I'm scared. He said, at a certain point though, we as good parents need to move beyond that and give them language they would never choose to say that will form them into the kinds of adults we know they need to become. So this is why we teach our kids how to say, I'm sorry, yeah. please. please. Like that forms them. And he was saying from a church standpoint, the church has those two roles. One is to, give, is to help give all of us language to express to God what's going on. What a gift to have a song like 10,000 Reasons. Yeah. Bless, Bless the Lord, Lord oh my, my soul. soul. What a gift. I'm not singing it. <laughs> yeah, in fact, why don't you uh, sing a couple <laughs> verses for us. But um, what a gift. Yeah. However, at a certain point, we also need to practice words that we would never naturally say that will then form us into Christ-likeness. So one of the big ones for us in the last year, especially in America as the political thing has got so nasty and the us versus them, we said every Sunday, this was in 2016, every Sunday we're gonna do a confession and then an assurance, but then we're gonna pray for one of our enemies. None of us want to. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't naturally come out. But we thought, how will it form us? We know Jesus said it, you know, bless those who curse you, uh, love your enemies. But unless we practice it together, we're not going to be able to become people who can do it in our real lives. So in the gathering, you're yes. trying to teach people how to speak these languages totally. of a Jesus follower. That was a very yeah. long way of saying oh, that's one of the primary reasons we come together is to do the things that we would not naturally otherwise do in the safety of community that forms us into the kinds of people who can live with Christ all week long. Hmm. 
Oh, this is this is outstanding, Aaron, because I, I want to look at it now from the other angle, and that is why do people come to church? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Why do we gather? And you've tapped you've tapped into that a little bit to say, you know, not everyone wakes up on a Sunday and says, you know what I need to do in yep. the next couple hours? I need to sing five happy songs to God. <laughs> totally. So people are coming for a variety of reasons. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. You know, I was just talking with my dad actually about this. Uh, I think the world of my dad and um, but we were commenting on what a different, his idea is you just go to church. Right. You just do. Of that, course you do. That doesn't exist anymore. That, that sure doesn't exist in Canada anymore. That, yeah, <laughs> that doesn't exist. Yeah. And so that's already been a big shift. Yeah. So I think some of us in the room are, it's because what you do. And to be honest, that's really served my dad well. Mm. He shows up even when he doesn't want to. Yeah. I yeah, there's that. nobility in that. We don't, we don't want to, Absolutely. To, to, to deny that. There's Absolutely. nobility in that. I just do yes. this by discipline. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. But for a lot of the rest of us, it's a real struggle. I have, um, I have friends who work at churches, and we have conversations about, would you go if you didn't work there? Yeah. yeah. And we have to wrestle with that. And it's, uh, things are really shifting. And ultimately, what we say is, Absolutely. You know, I've been thinking about this, and we, we talk about this internally a lot, that beyond the show up just because you do or yeah. show up to sing five happy songs because yeah. that's the place you're in, you know, all of those other reasons are all commonly because people want to connect with God in some way. Yeah. But they want to connect with God not just because they had a great week. Maybe they're yeah. really worried yeah. You know, maybe they're really tired. Yep. Maybe they're just beaten down and broken or very hurt or, you know, there's all of these other, there's all of these other places that people are coming from to connect with God that I find when you link that broader menu yeah. of kinds of food or kinds yeah, of yeah, meals yeah, yeah, yeah. you're providing, I think the, the wonder is when you can connect those yeah. with all of the diversity of reasons why people are going to come to connect with God so that not only they're learning yep. how to follow Jesus yep. in the actual gathering, but they're also in that sense leaving knowing, you know, God met me where I yep. was at. Yep. Not just if I was in a place that could sing five happy totally. songs kind of thing. Oh, that's so good. Um, people come for so many different reasons, but the, the common thread is hunger. Yeah, yeah. We want it. We want to connect with yeah, God. They're coming for a reason. Yes. Yeah. There's a hunger. Yeah. Now you mentioned before this idea of liturgy, or yeah. kind of the the kind of old school sure. traditional practices that you would do in yeah. church. Can you just make a comment on help us understand? Like, what do you mean yeah. by liturgy? The word liturgy literally just means the work of the people. So stuff we do in church. Stuff yeah. we do <laughs> yeah. when we come together. Yeah, okay. Liturgy is, is got connected to old, dusty, crusty things. Yeah, yeah. And some, some of it is that. Like my, my, one of my grandfathers was an Anglican minister. Totally. So Absolutely. my paradigm of liturgy, yep. you know, yeah, a yeah. certain yep. number of uh, you know, behaviors that you just kind of do by rote. Totally. Yeah. But I mean, Willow has a liturgy. Yeah. It's two fast songs. It's a video. It's yeah. a response song. A turn. It's, yeah, <laughs> ab absolutely. Yeah. And that's beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's what we do when we come together. Yeah. Yeah, the work so, of people. So that would be just your routine. Yeah. And what you've been experimenting with in this uh, new kind of service you call yeah. the practice 
is broadening the menu yes. and diversifying that liturgy yes. to more experiential practices yes. of what it means to follow Jesus. Absolutely. Yeah. And so some of what we've been trying to do on Sunday nights is to say, that, say to the community, as evangelicals, we have this quiet time, you know, read, read some from the scriptures and journal, and it's so, it has transformed me. But we want to say, keep doing that. But what about this? And what about this? And I, I just want to tap into this for, for all of us across our locations, because the, the way we talk about our primary programs, our uh, weekend services, our life groups, and our anchor causes, is that these primary programs both express and stimulate those aspects of the life of full devotion. And so what you're saying is, hey, these aren't just practices that we engage in on Sundays for the purpose of connecting with God in more diverse ways. We are practicing on Sunday how to connect with God privately in a more diverse kind of way. You're teaching people how to behave, which is the vision that we have for all of our programs, that our programs are actually just stimulants to the lifestyle. The hour stimulates the other 167 hours, right? That's exactly right. I was talking to a friend two days ago. He just started, he and his wife started with a uh, trainer, a personal okay. trainer. Yeah, yeah. And so the trainer shows up at their house at like 5.30 a.m. and they do like an hour and a half in their, I think you're saying in their driveway, they do the circuit training. But then the whole thing is, this is your circuit for this week. Yeah. I'm going to go through with, it, with yes. you once. I'm going to do and it. I'm going to leave I'm going to you with it. Teach you the yeah. form so you don't hurt yourself. We're going to do it in the safety of this. But now the real work is Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. And Wednesday and Thursday. And this is awesome because I, I've, I've heard you in, in some ways that you've described these shifts of how you've looked at why people gather as, you know, the, the rally era yeah. or the classroom era. And yeah. now I've heard you describe this gathering as the gymnasium era. Yes. That we're actually coming to kind of do some spiritual circuit training that then we can apply to our lives during the week. We have in our pockets with smartphones, we have access to all the information in human history. We are not lacking information. Yeah. And now we're lacking framing for the information. So I think, I still think teaching is incredibly important. At the practice, we still, we teach every week, but we try to keep it to about 15 minutes. And it's a teaching that leads to a practice. Mm, okay. So I am not, the teaching is yeah. incredibly yeah. important, but I don't think more information often changes us. Mm. Um, Another question on this, just to give you a sense of where we're at real yeah. time and trying to experiment with, with this kind of stuff, because I, I hope that our people will notice, you know, in the last even six months that we've tried to make certain plays that have been a little bit more diverse than just sing and teach, sing and teach. We'll try to craft an experience where we can connect with God in one of huh. these more diverse ways. Our struggle coming from that rally you know, relevant to the ordinary person, kind of outreach, it's not just about me mindset, is that, you know, this stuff is a little more hardcore, you know, Jesus following. And so how, how have you experienced uh, engaging in this gymnasium approach to gatherings in a way that's also accessible to your friends and neighbors and 
sort of normal people that aren't even necessarily acquainted with God or the church that want to kind of graft in and check it out? Yep. Um, It's such a good question. Two things immediately come to mind. One is super big picture. One is really practical. The big picture is people need to understand why. It can't just be, oh, the worship leader's bored with the song, so now we're doing some weird Catholic stuff. Yeah. It we're, gonna, can't, we're reciting these prayers. Right, just right. It can't just religious. be yeah. stylistic um, just for interest's sake. Um, people need to hear the why. And we all, we all need to hear it more than once. And that's a mistake I've made uh, a couple times where I, I share, this is why we're doing this thing. And then he never mentioned it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to be reminded, why are we training in this way? It's with where you go to the trainer. You're like, wait, why am I stretching so much? Like, shouldn't we just be running or lifting? And they explain, oh, no, 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 the stretching helps that, you know, yeah. the why is so important. So the big picture why. The other thing is I have a, a friend who always says when you're inviting people into new waters, name their anxieties. So, hey, does this feel overly Catholic? How many ex-Catholics wish you hadn't come today? <laughs> you know? And then people raise their hand and you're like, totally. Here's why we're gonna do it. Name the anxieties, because new, new stuff is weird. I don't care who you are. I don't know, care what the new thing is. And these are so, great comments to us, because I think, I think that as, as leaders at Southridge, we can do this better so that all of us can have the confidence that on the one hand, we're going to show up and we're going to encounter Christ in a more diverse way. And we're going we're gonna to learn and practice how to actually follow yep. Jesus that we can take yep. with us in our regular life of faith. Absolutely. But we're also going to do this in a way that can expose my friend, my family member, yep. my neighbor, my yep. coworker, my classmate to what it means to follow Jesus yep. in a way that's going to make sense to them. And I don't know if yet we, we've developed a... a a way of doing this that's giving our people that kind of confidence like we probably once had in the rally. So that just sort of speaks to where we're trying to learn and and grow in that way. Yeah, I have have a theory and it may be wrong and it may be weird, but can I share it? I've got lots and they're wrong, so (laughs) keep going. Yeah, I think some of the idea of seeker sensitive to me is still as important and critical and beautiful because the heart is everyone's invited. Yeah. This is for everybody. Everyone. Jesus Jesus never really yeah. subdivided categories. Yes. He just was who he was yeah. and said what he said to everybody and just was by definition accessible. If yeah. it's good news for anyone, yeah. it's good news for everyone. Yeah. So that the, the seeker sensitive idea is so profound. But I wonder if some of the shift that's happening is from an era where the service was seeker sensitive to now people being formed into Christ likeness are seeker sensitive. So if before it was to my friend, come to the church, they're gonna do this really cool Saturday Night Live bit that you're gonna love and that's gonna be the connection. I wonder more if it's come to the church, we do this thing, it's gonna feel a little weird but it has transformed me and saved my marriage. Hmm. Would, you, would you come experience yeah. it with Do me? Do you want to give that a shot? Yeah. Too? Because from our perspective, we're certainly realizing that as a, as a church that views church, 
not as a place you go an hour a week, but as a difference we make in the part of the world where God's placed us. We actually have access points, what we call front doors, uh, in all sorts of ways. Our anchor causes our front doors of accessibility, right? Our relationships and our group life, our front doors of accessibility. Our Sundays are still a primary front door of accessibility, but to show people how to follow Jesus in a way that could transform yeah. their yes. life. And, and, yes. and that's, I think, the, what we're inviting people into shifts a little as we understand it, yeah. as we understand this gymnasium paradigm a totally. little bit better. People are so full of, obviously, responsibilities and commitments, but also stimulus, and screens yeah. Yeah. and noise and entertainment. Um, I think the era of I need to go somewhere to be uh, hyped. Hyped. <laughs> yeah. My whole life is hyped. Yeah. Yeah. I need to go somewhere to find my find myself again. Yeah. You yeah. know. And I think that if I could maybe not go too far, but the most seeker sensitive possible thing is we want to help you connect to the depth of who you're made to be in a way that just can't happen on Twitter. Oh, you know? That's fantastic. So, um, and I'm just thinking with, with all of your experiences in leading these gatherings, let alone your personal journey and participating in them, um, is there any one takeaway that you would encourage our gatherers uh, to think about doing or even just to think differently about gathering today? Like what's, what's one practical step for all of us who are, who are watching this at home um, that we can do differently so that we're better gatherers? Yeah, oh, it's such a good question. Um, one, of my, one of my friends is a, is a pastor and he talks a lot about the role of church, but he talks about the role of communion. Is that is the space where we learn to tend to Christ's presence so that we can tend to Christ's presence at every table in our lives. And what I love about that is it's, that's, the responsibility is not on the pastor or worship leader in that moment. Yeah. It's on, obviously, it's on God to be present, which God always is. So God's part is, is God is good on his yeah. part. Um, but our part is to stay present. And I know when I'm at my most either cynical or consumeristic, I show up at church and I'm like, so what do you got for me? Yeah. Wow me. Yeah. <laughs> Blow my mind. And what did or, I get out of it? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Or pastor me, my, I'm really hurting. I need you to pastor me so this stops hurting. Yeah. And the pastors, we have a really important role, but I think one of the big things, if I could say to um, us, since we're, we're friends now, uh, um, but for all of us, and I include myself 1,000%, is it's our job to stay open. If the song being sung is brilliant, it's our job to tend to the presence of Christ through that brilliant song. If the song's terrible, it's our job to open ourselves to the presence of Christ in that moment. So there, there's a different, I, I'll just speak for me personally. When I come to church like this, or when I come church to church like this, yeah, um, and those are those feel small, but they are seismic posture differences. Yeah, and that's great for us to consider. Like, what's what's our posture when we're coming to church? Because our posture is the one thing I think we can be most individually responsible totally. for. Yeah. that makes an extraordinary difference yeah. of our experience. Yeah. 
any final thoughts that you want to share with us? Any rants? Or we'll give you a minute if you want to move out of worship yeah. leader and into preacher mode. You can have at her with our, with our community. Well, I, I'm not a preacher, um, but can I share one thing that um, I probably said this at the beginning of our Sunday night gathering every Sunday night for six months. And it was something along these lines. It's what I believe. It's what, if like, I could like say one thing yeah, to the yeah. world, it's this. And it's, there is this grand and wide river flowing throughout human history toward the redemption and restoration of all things. And Jesus called this the kingdom of God, where what God wants to happen happens, where God is putting things to rights, as N.T. Wright loves to say. And it's where the, the, the lost are found. It's where the blind can see again. It's where we are healed. It's, it's what God is doing in the world. All right. Jesus didn't just say, believe about this river. Jesus said, join me and learn how to swim with it. And so we don't make the river flow. We don't earn our way into the river. It's all grace. But the invitation is not just believe, believe about it. The invitation is learn to swim. So it's why as kind of cynical as I can get about church these days and the world these days, it's why I can't get away from this is the place we learn how to swim. We learn the butterfly. We learn, I don't even know any of the you real know, all the strokes. <laughs> so apparently the analogy breaks yeah. down pretty quickly. But we learn these practices that help us keep company with Christ in the river that is restoring all things. Mm -hmm. So um, that's why I think this really, really, really matters. Our world needs it. Our world needs people who are formed in ways where we can do what do what Jesus said and put his words into practice. Mm -hmm. So, Aaron, that's yeah. fantastic. And I really appreciate you not just uh, sitting down with us today and sharing with us this morning, uh, but for your friendship with Jeff and the influence you've had uh, as part of our lar larger village, never mind the community that you represent that have affected us in ways beyond measure over the last 20 or so years. So we are grateful to you and to your uh, family and community and the extended uh, village that you represent and so appreciative of the ways that you've formed us uh, into Christ's image and allowed us to experience all of this goodness that is the kingdom of God. Hey everybody, thanks so much for joining us uh, in uh, this edition of It Takes a Village. Uh, have a great week.